Welcome to another episode of the Fearless Launching Show. I'm your host, Anne Samoylov. Today, I figured, you know what I really want to talk about? I want to talk about this thing called outreach, you know, otherwise known in other industries as PR, press, and the importance of getting outreach consistently, not just when you're launching, but for your business so that you can reach as many new people as possible so that you're always reaching new audiences. Well, instead of me just, you know, kind of going off about this topic, I figured that it would be best to bring in an expert. So today we've got Bridget Lyons in the studio. She is the owner and founder of Be A very um, forward-thinking boutique PR agency, and I think that you will really love what she's got to say because it's not all about having contacts. She's got some really cool strategies, really simple, easy things you can do to make sure you are getting the right press, that you are connecting with the right people, and that you can do it too. Um, Of course, you can work with Bridget as well, but she also shows you how to do it yourself. So sit back, relax, and let's welcome Bridget Lyons to the show. Thanks for hanging out with me today, Bridget. Thank you. I love your podcast so much, Anne. I was just listening to one episode where you were talking, oh, maybe this isn't your podcast, maybe it was one of your videos where you're talking about the brands you love. And I love that. I'm I'm a gamer, so hearing you talk about Halo made me excited. Yes, we are all gamers in this house, so <laughs> we're all big geeks. Um, so yeah, well, I'm glad you're watching those. Those are fun. I'm I just started doing those, so you know, just kind of playing around, having fun with it for now. Um, we'll see. We'll see how that what that does to things. Um, but anyways, I wanted to just say that I knew I wanted to talk to you today because. You know, I'm always talking to people about, you know, making sure they actually have the eyes on their launch. And we know that there are some very basic ways you can do about that. But I feel like it's a very kind of um, not a floundering process that people go to through, but it's kind of like, okay, I'm going to do three guest posts and, oh, I got this uh, summit that I'm going to be in. And it's very haphazard. So it's not really strategic in any way. And anyway, so I knew I wanted you to come in here because honestly, I look to experts like you to actually tell me what I'm going to do in my launch. I don't know everything. And I might have my own haphazard way of doing it as well. So I'm excited to just like get get to kind of that core work that you do with people. So anyways, that that's what I'm mostly excited about. But I'm also super curious about um, how there was this big change in your business and you, I feel like over the last, I want to say a year, maybe it's less, but I feel like it's just been over the last couple of years since I've known you that I know, I mean, there's been a huge change in your business. And so I feel like, you know, I want to be caught up to speed, but I know, I know our listeners do too, because you started off um, from my kind of recollection, there were a few courses that you launched. And so I saw you definitely going that course creator route. So would you share that with people? Like what, what happened there? Where were you? Where are you now? Yeah. So I, gosh, was it four years ago when I launched my business? feels like a lifetime at this point. And you're right. I was absolutely in that course creation model that everyone I think is so familiar with. And I had a shift, um, 
just over a year ago where I shifted from training and helping people learn to do their own um, PR outreach to actually hiring somebody and starting to build up a boutique agency that could be doing it for people. And we still do the training. So I've done some creative live courses now on um, how to do PR campaigns and about once a year, I'll launch a program (laughs) and do, do something that's a little bit more in depth and more like mentoring though. Um, usually smaller group programs. And the reason I've done this has been the same. So like my driving force of being into business has always been about diversifying the voices and the representation in the media. So my sweet spot in my heart is really working for people who have some sort of message that's kind of pushing the boundaries of what we would consider possible or how things are done or how we think about things. Um, and Maggie Hessler, who works with me has a background in cause marketing and nonprofit. So like, we definitely want to work with people with a lot of heart and helping them to get different kinds of stories out there in the media and get more awareness out there for what they're doing. Um, but what I was finding is that a couple of things, one, the training that I have, I have this background working in an agency and the training that I have is really well suited to working with people one-on-one. And I was turning away work that was breaking my heart because I wasn't set up to do the direct work. And I don't know, Anna, if you've had that experience too, because I know you mix courses <laughs> and client work. I see. Yeah. Well, you can, well, here's the thing. You can see my face right, right. now. So you know that this is my life, Yeah, what's happening. And this is why I've started to make some changes too. Yeah. It hurts your heart when... Um, I think I've talked about it publicly before. So Marianne Elliott, I don't know if you know her. She, mm-hmm. she is Zen peacekeeper. She was a UN peace ambassador. Um, I did her 30 days of yoga program when it was available. It like was life changing for me. And she asked me if I would do PR around her book launch and I had to refer her elsewhere. And it was just, now I don't want to say that Marianne absolutely would have chosen me over, maybe she's talking to a bunch of people. I don't want to assume that, but having to say, no, I'm not in a position to help you. I really, at the time wasn't, I'd let a lot of my contacts lapse. I I just didn't have running the courses and working one-on-one on a book launch that was international or even just the U S arm. It was just too, too much. And after doing that, because I felt so confident, I don't want to do one-on-one PR work anymore. I just had this like pit in my stomach. And so that, that started, um, maybe a, just under a year long transformation of putting systems into place in my business so I could bring people on and looking for somebody who could do the client side so that I can do what I do best, which is really like the visioning, you know, and, um, and frankly, like I'm a, I'm good at marketing my business, you know? And so I wanted to keep doing that and doing the visioning. And frankly, I'm not the best person to be running your PR campaign because, um, I'm like shiny object person. <laughs> right. And, and, right. And outreach requires a lot of tenacity and I did it. You know, I worked with CNN. I worked with all kinds of like amazing media, the Chicago Tribune, but I just, I'm not that person. I did it when I had to. And Maggie, who works for me, is that person. She's our uh, bulldog with heart, <laughs> as I like to call her. I love that. Yeah, she oh is. Oh my so gosh. She, so we have a cool balance and she's actually been able to help me too in a surprising way with the course creation. So it's been, it's been this evolution. Um, and it means that we work with 
just a couple of clients at a time. You know, we're actually thinking about bringing on a third person part-time and we have a VA and we have contractors that work with us, but we're, we're starting to expand a little bit, but usually we only work on two or three clients at a time. And we're able to just like pour our hearts into them and their message. And it feels, it feels really great. It feels yeah. Really- oh my gosh. Well, that's, that's so interesting. And it's so timely for me because, mm-hmm. you know, I, in the past year, I've also, I think it's because I, I'm, I'm not actually saying no to the one-on-one work. And I think that's where, I don't know if it's the same for you. You weren't actually saying no to that visioning and that relationship that you could potentially have with whoever you've said no to, but it's that, um, you knew that there was going to be a piece of that that would require you to be like, a bulldog. Yeah. And it's like that part of the job, you're like, almost like that's what you were saying no to. Because for me, mm-hmm. I don't want, I'm good at being someone's boss, but I'm better in another role. I'm better pulled back. I'm better looking at the big, bigger picture the same in the same way. Um, so, oh man, I totally, I totally understand that. So, okay. So, but you're struggling that not struggling, but let's say you're going back and forth between these two kind of I don't know if they're different brains, but they definitely take different kind of skills to run and launch courses and then to build this one-on-one practice there. It it requires like help to do that. So did you just decide to shift completely to one side for a while or how did that, how did that all come about? Um, (laughs) Sarah Chantilly, who you, who, you know, I know yes, has been, I don't want to say nagging me, but like telling me that she, recommending to me that I do one-on-one work. And she had some personal motivations because she wanted me to do work for her. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I'd said, no, Tara, that, that life is behind me, behind me. So she does a program now called quiet power strategy, which I actually co-facilitate. So I actually teach three of the um, lessons in that now, but when she offered it in her first battle round, she invited me to participate. And so I did. And that's where I started the process of, just awakening that this is what I needed to do. And what was kind of interesting is I think that when I went into this business, maybe four years ago, I think that's the right time frame. Four years ago, I don't think I could be where I am now without the time and building courses in between, because there's a lot of lessons I've learned about scalability, about building systems. So like the PR traditional agency is very chaotic. And like whenever we would have a new business proposal, it was like, Everyone's lives on the team were thrown into chaos. Like there was no roadmap on how to do that every time. And it was like recreating the wheel every time. And for me, I was like, I don't want to be in this like lifestyle anymore where you have to drop everything. You're working these crazy hours. You're agonizing because you don't know what to do. And so like being in this course creation kind of model made me be like, okay, like how can I create something that's like more of a template? It gets customized, the guts do, but like everybody who works with us, we're using, you know, filters and content marketing to make sure we're attracting the right kind of people. I don't go out and do RFPs. So like everyone comes to us. We have a lot of referrals. We have a lot of people come for our content and using that same sales funnel process in our, in our PR business that other agencies aren't doing. And they're wasting a lot of time, I think. So all of this kind of led me to where I am. So I worked with Tara in that program and and re-envisioned my business model. And I still want to do courses because, you know, um, I'm just going to throw it out there. Like our baseline package is over $10,000. So like, you know, 
not everybody can afford that. And I got into this to kind of democratize the marketplace. And so doing courses for me is always going to be somewhere in my business model, even if it's not the most profitable arm of my business model right now, because it matters. Like, I think it's important that people go out there and, and are able to get more visibility, more eyes, like you said. Um, so that's part of it, but you know, we worked on that. And then I worked with Natasha, who I also know, you know, and she helped me put systems in place in my business. And then I worked with another person who helped me, Erica, who helped me make sure that I was hiring legally. Cause I actually have an employee. Right. Right. So I work with, um, contractors, but Maggie is an employee. She has a salary. She has benefits. I give her healthcare. So, <laughs> and I'll tell you that feels amazing. It I can imagine it. Like it does. It, that's amazing. You, it makes you feel like a boss. Like, let's just, you know, it feels really good. I mean, Maggie and I operate more as partners than like boss and employee, but, um, she came out of a career where she wanted that stability of the paycheck. You know, I offered her, like we, we talked about what model would work for her. And so, um, you know, that's the primary arm. And she, what's great about her is like, I, I'm really well suited to mentoring. Like there's people who say like, I would rather do it myself in 15 minutes than teach somebody for an hour. I'm a totally the opposite, which is why training works for me too. Like I would rather mentor somebody and see them get the result than do it myself. So I'm really well suited for building a team. Um, but Maggie has her own, like she's the bulldog. She's going to get it done. She has the follow through. Um, so we can work together. I can dip into a client project and then I can go off and, think big picture questions. And it's like, I don't have to worry. Is the work going to get done? Because I have absolute confidence. It always gets done. That's great. So you don't really have to flow, go too far into that manager role. Right. Because that is, there's nothing worse than trying to, again, stay like big picture and then have to be like, Art, did you call that person? Did you follow up on that? You know what I mean? No, she does that to me. (laughs) I know. I, that's, I love that. But you know, it's really weird. It's like, as much as I, as much as I've said in the past that I want a boss, I'm a really bad employee sometimes. Like, (laughs) so you have to really bug me. It's so funny. Yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah. So, um, just one second, my, there we go. Okay. My headphones kind of just went out. I was like, I'm talking, but I don't know if she hears me. So yeah, no, anyway, so I totally, I totally get that. But also here's the thing is I think that probably what is awesome about Maggie is that like what you said, you guys are more like partners. You guys probably discuss the direction of the company together and different clients and whether you should take certain people on. And so I think that that's a, it's actually some, a topic that I'm going to be talking a lot about soon, because I think that is a key. That's the key when you're, when you're hiring these people who are either, it doesn't matter if they're in your in your physical space or not, that ownership has to be there. And it can't just be like, you're a partner. They actually have to be part of the decision-making. Yeah. For our clients, we have three questions that we ask before we ever take on a client. One is, um, do we like the stories that they're telling? So are we passionate about their message? Because we cannot be an advocate for you if we're not passionate about your message. You know, you can't fake that. 
Um, I know from past experience of trying, it just is soul sucking. <laughs> so uh, that's why I'm the boss now and not somebody else's, you know? Yeah. Um, so, you know, are we excited about the stories? There's also an aspect of that of like, are they, do we really feel like they're media worthy? Like, do we feel like you're going to get your money's worth? Like we won't take on work that we think just, oh, this, this really isn't going to work out for one reason or another. Um, although usually our job is to make it work, right? So of course, but. repassionate. <laughs> the other question we ask is, um, which I don't think enough agencies actually ask this and specialize enough is, is this person going to be working with the media that we're working with, that we're excited to work with, that we are either have relationships with or want to cultivate relationships with, will we want to work with them again? So it's really important. I think in PR, um, there's a lot of turnover. So people always ask us this question about contacts. Do you have the right contacts? And I don't think contacts matter as much as other people do. I don't usually think that's the right question because there's so much turnover. And at the end of the day, it's all about the story. Um, But it is important to us that we're, we're as much as possible getting to know and working with the media that, you know, that's pretty consistent. Um, And the third question is, do we like this person? (laughs) So we always ask, like, (laughs) do we like them? Uh, (laughs) I love it because you know what, that's, that is really important because if you like them, you're going to have a good relationship. Working is going to be easy. Yeah. And we, we are so blessed right now to have a couple of clients that, you know, we just started taking a clients last year. And so we have a couple of clients who renewed from last year to this year. And we're able to identify sometimes some personality traits now that are common to the ones that we're just like, we love working with them. And Maggie and I are both like really kind of bubbly extroverted people. And, when you have that mix with the client that we love, like they energize us and then we get excited and we're like cheerleaders for them and we energize them in return. And it creates this really great energy, which I think actually helps the work. And so that's just as important as all of those questions are equally weighted for us. Yeah. And if Maggie says no to one of them, then we're not going to work with them. Like she has like, you don't like them or you don't like their message. Like I don't, and I've had people who I'm like, well, I really like them, like, but we have different, slightly different interests. And so, and if she's going to be implementing and being exactly. the one, you know, then she has to be like, yes, I'm fully on board or she'll fight for someone maybe she wants to work with, but you're not necessarily. Yeah, exactly. That And that to me is what it means to be a partner and it means to with each other and with our clients. Oh, I love, I love this. And it's, um, we're definitely going to have to talk offline some things because I'm like, oh no, I'm thinking, I'm thinking in terms of, I, I'm always thinking like, huh, I'm always trying on other people's businesses yeah. and just seeing like the similarities and where, you know, you know what I'm talking about, like where I might want to grow myself. And so I, I love all of this. And, you know, you were asking, you said you asked those three questions to yourself. Do you ask specific questions when you first work with people to them in order, not necessarily to tell, like, this is once you've decided to work with them. I figure now is probably a great time to just go into how you do work with them once you're. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, most people, when they will email us, that's usually the process, you know, we'll get an email for somebody or somebody will refer them. And, um, our assistant will send them like a list of questions to kind of a digging, like, what are your goals? What kind of media do you see yourself in? Um, we got a lot of people who like email us and they're like in the middle of a Kickstarter campaign. And we're like, can't like one of the biggest problems that we see with people is like, they contact us too late. And so if they're contacting us too late, we're upfront with them from the very beginning of like, we need more time, maybe like a month of planning. And then there's lead times in media. So we'll just cut it right then. 
Um, and there's also the thought of like, we don't want to be in that hurry up position. Yeah. You're putting out fires and yeah. Yeah. So sometimes people say, you know what, this launch isn't that important because we get people like what we really want is to build beyond that. And then we're like, okay, well then let's talk. Um, so, so that's the next step is we do these emails and then we do kind of a quick gut check or there, are there any reasons not to work with them right now? What's our client look like? And then we have a call and you know, it's really about getting to know them and feeling them out and what are they interested in? Um, what are their goals? Do we feel like, can we deliver on the goals? One of the challenges sometimes with people who want more traditional media is that online, we're really used to looking at very measurable results. You know, if you have a guest post, you can see exactly how much traffic you're getting. And if you have Google Analytics or lead pages, you can see exactly how many people are converting from that traffic. Well, if you're a product person and you're in El Decor, or if you're an idea person, like we worked with Tara and, and uh, had her this little feature in Fast Company called The Recommender. So like that's like a prestige placement, you know, where if you're trying to build up your thought leadership and your expertise, the goal is to be able to say like, I was in Fast Company, like there's value to that, but there's not value necessarily in terms of traffic conversion that we're so used to looking at. So we kind of look at people and think about what are their goals and, and, and how do they talk about them? Because we have had some, you know, um, instances where it's like, oh, we can't, PR, there's no guarantees. Right. We can never guarantee a placement, but what we can do is like say, well, here's what you can get out of it. And often traditional media is more of a long-term strategy. Like I like to say it's for setting up your business for the next six years, not the next six months can help you in the next six months, but it's really a long-term thing. So we talk about that. What are their goals? What kind of media do we have the right package for them? And then Maggie and I will go back and talk about it. We'll go through our three questions. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, usually at that stage, we'll send them over a proposal, a custom proposal. Interesting. No, I mean, something you just said actually, um, stands out to me because I also find that people, are spending their times they're, they're not spending the time that they need in advance of a launch even just having consistent outreach of some yeah. kind and it's a really tall order even if all you're planning to do are guest posts you still do need that lead time you need to be you need to be consistently getting out there so i i kind of um I used to, I think this is before I had done too many guest posts or interviews or much of anything. I would leave that until right before the launch. Yeah. And then I'm like, why? I can just do this all year. You know, couple, You know, if I have two guest posts, two whatever, and then, then over the year, that kind of builds my kind of bank of stuff. Yeah. Like one of the challenges, I think, for most people is that you're launching and you're like, I have to do all this outreach. But for most of us, the launch is not a story, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're not launching like the next Halo game or an Apple product. There aren't like Mac rumors forums, like what's the next product going to be? Like, you know what I mean? Like people aren't, the the launch for our friends, for our audience, yeah, that's just, that's important to them. But when you're going outside of your own network, um, there's not that many people who cover straight launches unless you're like a startup. And so- what I like to do is use the launch as more like, um, a motivation, you know, help it motivate you to get your message out, help it motivate you to build up your platform, to do some list building, to get whatever it is your goals are. 
and then build something around that. And ideally what you're like, what you're saying is like, once you have that momentum, just send out a, like one or two pitches a month, like just keep it going. Um, cause I think once you start getting those, that momentum and those placements and you see your list numbers grow and you see, I mean, one thing I think people really undervalue too, is like when you we're always having to tell our clients, like email your people, like you were just in entrepreneur, like email your people and tell them like, <laughs> and they get, you know, you get these emails back and your community is really jazzed for you and, and they want to buy from you and they're giving you feedback. And like, I think that that's one of those intangibles that we don't, we don't, value toot, our, we don't toot our own horns on a regular basis, basically. Ex- exactly. Exactly. And so all of that is like, once you get that going, you start feeling that. And I think you want more of it and it's easier to keep it going. Um, so I like to think of the launch as like the impetus t- to start right. uh, more than being like an end point in and of itself. Right. right. So, so if you were going to start working with someone, let's say, yeah. and they came to you and they said, oh my gosh, okay, let's say in a, in a really good, better yeah. scenario, they're saying, <laughs> okay, we're going to launch in three months. Mm-hmm. What can we do? Um, and, you know, are there some things that people can do within that period of time? Are there things, I mean, granted, you know, there's, there's definitely like a, probably a longer list of things you can start doing six months in advance or even a year in advance. If you know, you're going to be launching a book in the fall or whatever, there probably are things you can do at the beginning of the year, you know, to make sure you have some bigger placements towards the end of the year. But what, what are some of those very, almost like, because I know that for every business, every launch, there's going to be a different kind of slant on the type of things that are going to really work and bring people, you know, so what, what do you, what are some of those, those things? Yeah. Well, actually what we're doing right now, podcasting is like, for me, just one of the hugest um, opportunities that we're seeing for people. And we're starting to pitch a lot of podcasters and we'll see, we've had a couple clients with podcast interviews, like 60 people at a time on their list, which you know, it's not like 10,000, like some of the bit, you know, <laughs> but it's a nice boost. That's 60 more people, 60 more people from like, you get on the phone or, you know, on Skype and you have a conversation, um, can be really great. So what I like to say is like, you know, look at some of those things that can turn around in like a month and that could be, or two months, um, podcasting. If you want to do like, you know, JV webinars, not strict PR, but that could be something, um, contributions. So in, 60 days, you could get a piece into entrepreneur, into mind, money, green, into Huffington post. So getting some of that stuff. So thinking about when your launch is coming out, like what is it in that that's going to be really interesting to people? And usually that's either an insight, you know, you have a different way of looking at something. So you want to be pitching thought pieces out. And one of the things you can do is actually look at, cause launching, we're always creating stuff, right? Look at your blog posts, look at your emails and just repurpose. Like I have this um, thing I call the content remix and it's all about just like repurpose what you already have, you know, put a new title on it, rewrite it and send out like old articles that you have with some refreshed content and get those placed. So that's something anybody can do pretty quickly. Um, The other thing is you can take pieces of your program that you're developing tools, methodologies, and pitch those out. So those are ways to take you're so busy. You know, what do you already have that you can use and, and pitch in a few places? Like I did a launch, um, for something called trade show publicity secrets. It's about trade show PR. And there's something in there about how to write product descriptions to apply for media. So I pitched that design sponge. 
you know, like I exerted a piece of my program and it was awesome. I got a ton of traffic back. So are there things in what you're creating that you can actually select and send out and then tie it back? Um, the other thing is, is make sure you have, and I know, Anne, like you would totally agree with this, like make sure you have what it is, like your lead magnet, your landing page, whatever mm-hmm. set up. So like you have some place to send people. <laughs> yes. Do not send them to your homepage for the love of God. Or be like, like what do I do? Account. Where do I go? <laughs> Don't send them to your Twitter account. Like actually say, like I said, you know, my design sponge, like this is a part of my content remix. Go here to see it. Now that's such a low price program that it just goes to a page about that. But usually you'd have it to, you know, an email sign up. You can get a worksheet. So set that up so that even if you're only able to have five things come out, they work harder for you. And I think that like one thing that's different about how I work, I'm really about quality over quantity. There's times where you want to have that feeling of like this person is everywhere and that buzz, but you know, maybe not as many times as we usually think. Yeah. I actually totally agree with that. I mean, I, I feel like when I stopped trying to do like trying to time press to happen. Yeah. It, there was no change in, mm. you know, I was just able to reshare those things and I, I'm totally down with, um, you know, the content remix and, and reusing content. And I'm constantly doing that even for things inside, let's say fearless launching or something, I'm going to be like, okay, what mini topics or concepts can I pull out of here that become the launch pre-launch content. You know, what am I going to, you know, how am I going to tease people? And basically I'm giving you a part of what I'm trying to launch. Right. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You want to give them a little taste. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. I mean that it's very practical advice. And I think, I think people definitely still get overwhelmed with it all. I think even if they know, okay, I don't have to create something new necessarily. For some reason, the whole process I do think is a little bit, a little bit scary, you know, creating, and especially if you say, what's your PR campaign for this launch? Um, Someone probably would have a meltdown if you asked, you know, but really what, what, I mean, what's the campaign? Is it just like a list of places that you are, a list of places and when they're essentially going to come out over time or, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think a really good framework is thinking about not in terms of what's your campaign, but your customers or your client, your, you know, your customers, do you want to get into your course, your program? What are the burning questions they're asking? Mm -hmm. And like, how can you give them a small micro solution, like with a piece of content and then, and then putting it in other people's platforms, that's what makes it PR. And so an example of this, like for you and, you know, it's like, okay, so people are launching. So they might say like, how do I come up with a launch schedule? Or, you know, what are the questions that you see in, in the Facebook group or something that they ask over and over again? And then like, this is so simple, but like, I'm always like, turn on incognito or private browsing. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, if you use Google, like your search results will be limited to based on the things that you visit, right? So you turn on private browsing or incognito. So it's like pure results. And just Google those terms and see what websites come up. And that's how like you build, you know, who do you reach out to? It's like, what are the places that people are going to for this information? We can find that out by figuring out what they like, think like, what would you Google if you were having this problem and then go and answer the question. And, and then at the end, have a link back to your landing page. Like literally that is (laughs) 
all it takes. And people think I'm so crazy. And I'm like, it really is that simple. And I have people in my programs are like, I don't know how to build my media list. I don't know who to put on. I don't know what people are consuming. I'm like, did you try Googling a couple of questions? (laughs) No. Well, (laughs) well do that first. Do that. Let me Google it for you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, and there's some other, there are some other resources, like you can go into iTunes and they have podcasts by category. So that's one of the things we do for our clients a lot is we'll go Google or look through those podcast listings by category and we'll take a look at some of those. And you know, if they're listed there that they have pretty good traffic. Yeah. Actually, Um, that's actually a really great, great idea because Alexa, I know that there are people who say go to Alexa, but Alexa sometimes is hard to read and kind of hard to tell what's really going on. But the proof is right there. If there, it doesn't matter like knowing their exact stats because if iTunes, you go to the front page, it means people are able to see that. <laughs> exactly. It's like, like I think people um, make it a lot harder than it has to be. We do that, right? We're launching something. We make product creation harder than it has to be. We make we stuff our courses with more than they have to be. And it's like, how much can you strip away? Yeah. And, and make it easy for yourself so you don't get in your own head. You know, it's like, how much can you strip that away? Do you have a blog post that's really resonant on this? Okay, like maybe it was top 10 tips. Take out one of the tips, write a blog post about it, send it out. Yeah. You know, like how can you make that as easy as possible? Yeah, I've, I've definitely been trying to do that myself as I create more content. But, you know, you, you mentioned before, like you saw that video um, on YouTube, but I'm trying to connect all of those so that I'm not creating new content in every single location known to man. Um, so, okay. So I actually want to know some more, you get, you gave some hints to, you know, how your business runs and I'm wondering if you can share some more of that. Just a few questions. It's kind of like a lightning round, but not really. You don't have to be you know, you don't have to be worried that I'm going to buzz you off or something. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So you said you have a team. I know you work with Maggie. Um, how many other like contractors do you have that kind of are, are hanging around? They might not be necessarily working all the time. It probably depends on clients and stuff. Yeah. So we have um, a VA, her name's Rosie and she works with us I don't know, 10 to 20 hours a week, kind of depends on the week. Um, and then we bring in different people depending on what the client requires. So like, actually we've hired Natasha when we did some speaking outreach for some clients. So she's done some work for us. Liz Lockard, who does the SEO work, sometimes SEO and PR are totally related. Um, and so we've actually subcontracted with her to do the work. And so the core PR work is usually me and Maggie, but then when we have clients who need more integrated services, you know, I'd say there's like two, three people that we'll pull in to build out a team for that. Awesome. Awesome. I'm glad I, it's, it's good to hear that like you're small and I love the ladies that you just mentioned. Yeah. Um, so how does your team then communicate? How do you stay communicating? Do you just do email? Is there a kind of like a hub? Do you use Evernote, Asana, something like that? Um, we, would we live and die by Google? So, you know, email, um, G chat between Maggie and G chat a lot. We also will Google voice call each other constantly. Um, I cannot tell you how nice it is to be like, I have a problem working through something and I can actually call somebody and I'm not interrupting their day because they're, it's part, they're part of my team and they're dedicated to it. <laughs> oh my gosh. It feels unbelievable. I didn't realize how much I missed that. And then, um, 
we do use Google Drive for all of our shared documents and everything. We also use Rike for project management, although maybe not as much as we should. Um, mostly like, you know, if, if we have to follow up with a journalist, we might put it in there or speaking outreach to somebody might say, oh, we're looking at that in two months. And so into Rike it goes. Right, right. And it, and that integrates nicely with Google. And the yeah. Map. Yeah, Rike is just a project management solution. I know a lot of people use Asana, and Rike is just a little bit more robust. Um, I like the way you could filter and sort it a little bit better. Um, When we have a client with a pretty complex project, we'll put actually all the pieces in there because you can timeline it out, which is really nice. And you can link the steps. Yeah, I have a little bit of Rike guilt for not going back and using it as much as we did at LKR, but um, Asana works for now. But I do agree. Sometimes, sometimes I like, I like, I liked how it played with uh, Google Mail mostly, and how yeah. you can how you can set things up using integrating those two, emailing. Yeah. I would always Rike myself tasks um, or forward myself emails to Rike that became tasks. So I love that. Yeah, me too. Me too. Um, do you have someone, would you say, do you think Maggie is that person then you could consider the one who's managing the work, making sure, you know, cause I don't, I don't think you are doing that, but. No, she definitely does that. Um, I, I manage the work when we have launches right now, but everything on the client side, which is most of what we're doing at the moment, Maggie manages it. And if we have, so if we bring in a freelancer to do the work, Maggie will manage that process too. Oh, yeah, nice. she, she's really, she, I mean, I call her, I think her official title is account director and I'm like, it's yours, <laughs> you direct it, you know? <laughs> and that means too, like if I have something I need to do, she manages up to me, which is really nice. That is really good. That's great. Yeah. Um, so any other, any other random tools you guys, you love using just yourself? Well, we use all of the traditional, you know, I, I've just started using lead pages, which is fun. Um, we use some specific kinds of uh, tools for the PR side, um, which I've actually just started using. One thing that I think people could look into is BuzzSumo, which even they've changed it up, but like you can type in. So when we're talking about content marketing, you can actually type in like an idea, like launching or something more specific and see like what has really hit over social media. And then you can use that to build your list. So I think that's a really cool tool. Uh, yeah. Um, I haven't checked that out. That actually, I, I know that the, those sumo tools, I think I have, yeah. I think I have one or two of them because you can activate them one by one. Yeah. On your back end. It's what, no, BuzzSumo is actually... It's not the same company? It's not. For some reason, I'm like, it's not those guys, right? It's not Noah Kagan. It's a little bit different. So he promotes it a lot, though. It's analyze what content performs best for any topic. So you type in a topic, and then it shows you who shared this topic the most, like how much traction it got. So it can be also a great way to test your messaging to see what other people are saying. Um, we use some really high end like Cision, which is a PR database, which I wouldn't recommend to anybody not in the profession to do MailChimp. I'm a big MailChimp evangelist. I know people love their infusion stuff there, however, but MailChimp has added so many features in the last two years. I think they're awesome. Um, although I'm a little unusual and where I, um, I'm kind of an ungoler, so I don't <laughs> really, I lie in bed every morning <laughs> And I ask myself, what's the most important thing to do today? And I decide it before I get out of bed. And that's how I manage my day. 
So I'm, a, I'm not like the best person to ask about tools. Like Maggie's great with like keeping things going, but I'm very much like that more intuitive, like what's important. Yeah. And I feel like small things are tasks that you might have to follow up important going to Reich. But in general, like if you're going to lie there in bed in the morning and it's not going to come up as being important, there's a reason. That's so true. I'm, yeah. I've actually started doing that myself, even though I am very task oriented and I, I definitely like at the end of the day, I download anything that has to happen the next day, but I have been finding myself in the mornings, just kind of stopping and, you know, in the morning before I get up, just saying, okay, what's, what are the, what is the most important thing I need to do today? Um, I think actually you need to do that if you're launching, you need to ask that question for yourself because it's so easy to just get stuck on something that's really not important. Oh my God. Go down the, for me, the technology rabbit hole. (sighs) I know. Actually today I was like, well, I'm going to, you know, I started thinking about lead pages myself and I'm like, no, actually the most important thing for you to do, Anne, is to find someone to do that for you. That is, that is going to be what has to happen. (laughs) We have, I mean, we have so many people on call for like now, if there's a tech problem for our own business, it's like, yeah, you, you, there's a balance between how much do you need to know what can happen and what's possible and like have a basic understanding. And like with Maggie, so she's actually never loaded anything into MailChimp. Like I do that (laughs) still. Because, because you it, love MailChimp. <laughs> I, well, and I edit it as I go, as I'm laying out. But it just is like Maggie doesn't need to learn how to use MailChimp. That's not her job. And like maybe someday we'll have – I would love to have – like I want to grow my team to maybe like 12 and have somebody who's really focused on Facebook advertising because I think that's a really great opportunity and somebody who's focused on social media and content marketing. So we want to do more integrated services for our clients. Um but it's, it's kind of a challenge deciding who on the team needs to learn For sure. which technologies. And we there's some cross-training that's important, like if you go on vacation. But like in general, I don't know, you can set that stuff up. Like I think there's – an um, like when you've been doing it yourself for a long time, you feel like I've had to learn everything. It's important for everyone else to do that too. And it's like, but is that really what they're here for? Yeah. Yeah, no, um, this is – I this is my, this isn't my struggle, but this is something I always think about. Um, when I am, when I'm bringing new people onto the team, the, the feeling, I mean, I have Infusionsoft, so I have to make that decision be like, do they really need to go into Infusionsoft? No. Like, and it's easy with Infusionsoft because it's kind of a pain and it's a big thing. So it's not just something that I'll just, Oh, everyone on the team has to know Infusionsoft. So <laughs> that <Yeah>. doesn't happen. <laughs> You're like, <gasps> No, I, I was once given access to Infusionsoft by, um, I'll just say a very high profile client. And I didn't even know. I was like, I couldn't even go in and snoop through all her stuff if I wanted to, because I couldn't figure out how to get through the maintenance. Yeah. I feel like my knowledge has had to be layered over the years. And now finally I'm being able to snoop, snoop on myself. (laughs) On your own. You know? So anyways. Okay. So speaking of like that, I mean, that was a huge investment for my business and I'm glad that I made it, but I'm curious what, what, um, I guess person, what was the best business investment you think you've made over the years that's led you to where you are now? It could be hiring someone. It could be a mentor, a coach, um, you know, I'm not, you know, it could be a tool, but I, I doubt it's MailChimp, but maybe. <laughs> I'm like, how can I not credit my Maggie? I love, she's like changed my life and I can't even. So our story really quickly, she worked, she interned for me eight years ago 
And so I've known her for a really long time. I've been mentoring her in year for years. When she first did the Today Show, she calls me out of the blue because like I had moved on, she had moved on. And when I was looking to hire, I was like, I need a Maggie. I need a Maggie. And um, that she now works for me is like <laughs> so incredible. I'll say something though, because you can't all have a Maggie. Um, and I think that one thing that we do is entrepreneurs that I never did when I was in a company. And I don't think other people do is that we really invest in ourselves and our skills, you know, investing in, um, courses going to conferences. Like I am huge on going to conferences. I, I wouldn't have the relationships and the position that I do in the marketplace today if I didn't go to conferences, because frankly, I've always had kind of a smaller list. I'm not one of those people that you're like, oh my God, look at a Bridget everywhere. Like I do PR for other people. I'm not busy doing it for myself, you know? <laughs> um, but I think that just investing in our skill set and, and in following those opportunities and trying things out is just a huge critical advantage that we have. And I think it's so worth it more than the technology. You know, what can we do? to, you know, broad, keep broadening your skill set, keep becoming more and more of an expert or a master at your craft. Um, and that's going to pay off. Yeah. I, I actually agree with that. I mean, I've, I've thought over the years, I'm like, maybe I need to be investing in like this executive coach or something. But mm. if I look back at the experiences that really were an investment, it, it's exactly what you said. It's going to conferences. It's being, it's, never just saying that you know everything. It's never settling with the knowledge you have and just continuing to advance different pieces of your business. And there's tons of places that you can always be learning. Yeah. So awesome. Well, um, Bridget, why don't you go ahead and tell people how they can check you out or, you know, what, what you want them to do next? Yeah. So, um, our website is B, like B for Bridget, thinkforward.com. And the remix I mentioned earlier, which is all about how you take your existing content and remixing it to get media, you can remix it into webinars, you can remix it into courses, um, is bethinkforward.com slash remix. And you can download it there for free. Um, I love that piece. I get a lot of great feedback for it, if I do say so. <laughs> And I'd love for you to connect with me over there. You can also find me Bridget Lyons at Twitter. I love Twitter, although I'm like a- I've been loving your Instagram feed lately. Oh, my Instagram is like more personal, but that's my name too, Bridget Lyons. I post about. I live on, I'm in Northern California now. It's I've just so moved beautiful. All your Marin. all your hike hiking pictures. And stuff. I know. I live in paradise, and I block. I'm. If you don't like, you know, feeling jealous of people who live in places where the weather is always perfect, then don't follow my Instagram feed. But if you want to feel warm, you can uh, click over that. <laughs> awesome. Yes, I well, I will be there. So. Awesome. Thanks, so, Anne. Thanks so much, Bridget. I don't know about you, but I learned a ton on that episode from Bridget. And if you want to learn more about what Bridget and B are doing, you know, go go check them out. All the links are below and definitely grab her content remix. I know I will be. And I just actually was over there and I realized that they also have a hashtag ask the publicist where they also give insights, tips and other 
other strategies as well. So they are sharing right and left. So there's no way that you won't learn something if you head over to Bridget's site. Um, introduce yourself to Bridget and Maggie, who are both waiting to greet you. And if you have any questions for them, you can leave a comment below, of course. Uh, I'm going to make sure that Bridget gets any messages you leave for her. And finally, thank you for listening to the Fearless Launching Show. I really appreciate your support. I have been loving my interviews lately, almost more than I can even imagine that I would. They are they have just been off, off the chain. Is that the word? Anyways, have a great day. If you're not already subscribed to this podcast, get your little buns on over to iTunes. And samoylove.com forward slash FLS is a nice little shortened link for you. Get over there, subscribe, leave me a comment, leave me a review and some pretty little stars, and I will see you next week. Thanks so much and take care.